the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Working left to right, Stidham's out of the gun, he's got Kenyon Drake off his hip. Snap, plenty of protection, looking over the middle, pocket collapses, he takes off to the goal line, touchdown Stidham! Mullins out of the gun, pressure off the edge, throws it across the middle, it's caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn of the 5, 6 easy, touchdown Raiders! The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. 2-0 in the preseason. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Five o'clock hour. Here we go. John Von Tobel is here as the company. JVT. We were going to change it to what last week? Your middle name? I mean, like my, I don't think we we're going to change it. Oh, no, we were. We we're getting rid of John. We were all, oh, we were going to call me George. I brought up my middle yeah. name. Yeah. yeah GVT. Yeah. George. Big George. Because people thought I go by, like, people thought my middle name was Vaughn, and it's not. No. George. It's George. Jonathan George Von Tobel. I should remember that because I think you have that up on Facebook. I, well, I don't have Facebook anymore. So if I do, somebody made a fake account. Well, that's a that's a long gone memory. I had no idea Facebook was gone for you. George is here. Ari is steering the ship in the Finley Toyota Studios. Let's do it. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. John loves all sports. He really likes football, but man. The NBA is your thing. I mean, I, I cover it. You love it. You love it. What's your title of Eason? Senior NBA analyst. Hello. So when the Christmas Day schedule comes down for the NBA, you're jacked. So what's, on the, what's on the schedule? Well, also because Christmas is one of my favorite holidays. Actually, no. It's my favorite holiday. So Christmas, NBA, it's a thing I like to do. Ignore my family on Christmas. Oh, whoa. And just say, hey, you know what? Calm down. I'm working. I'm you're working breaking up the studio. Day. I mean, in my defense, it's a very The schedule, Bucks and Celts, Sixers at Knicks, Suns, Nuggets, Lakers, Mavs, Grizzlies, Warriors. Okay, so let's just, let's just get this out of the way, okay? The Knicks suck. They suck. Their win total is under 40. They suck. They have not been relevant since Lynn Sanity. And before then, I couldn't even tell you when they were relevant. There were some good 80s Knicks teams, right? Enough. We've had enough of the Knicks on Christmas. They're not good. No. They're not fun. And anybody who tells me otherwise has one thing in common. They're from New York. Nobody cares about the Knickerbockers. Screw anymore. the Sixes! I, I mean, I guess. Is that like a rivalry? Who cares? Put a legitimately good team on here. Best game on this day is... I mean, Buck Celtics has become no, kind of like a really good No, wrong answer. One. You're going to go for Grizzlies Warriors? Of course. Yeah. Because of the heat from a year ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wish it was in Memphis. Do you think they'll that dance? That would be that would be awesome. You think they'll dance to whoop that trick on Christmas Day? That's why I wish it was. <laughs> that's why I wish it was in Memphis. That'd be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, awesome. It's a great. It's a solid schedule. I, I'd also say too, if anybody uh, accuses me of like, oh, you just don't like New York. Yeah, I don't. New York is overrated and dumb as a city. Nobody likes it as much as New Yorkers do. Okay, no. but can I? It's just dumb. Yes, but can I also <laughs> say, in all fairness. Miss me with Russ Westbrook and the Lakers as well. They don't need to be on Christmas. I don't need to see the Lakers. Put a real team from L.A. on there, like the Clippers. Number four. News out today. 
Mark Stein, longtime NBA reporter, says an NBA exec told him, Kevin Durant, if he's not traded by the Nets, he will retire. We never got to the point earlier in the show, so let's get it out there. Now, Durant has responded to this. What do you say? Oh, that it's BS. That it's BS? Yeah. With all of your unnamed sources, don't believe that S. Colin Coward over on Fox Sports Las Vegas was all over this. And if you think retiring by KD is crazy, he's like, uh, KD's an unpredictable guy. It is the most egregious move by a superstar to puncture his career momentum that I've ever seen. I think we forget how good the Warriors were with Durant. I mean, there were times Kevin Durant was bored. It was almost like the injuries kept it interesting. I think Boston, I think Boston is the fit. Ooh, okay. So I set that up poorly at the beginning. He's saying, like, if you think this guy won't retire, like he already made a move that's one of the dopiest moves in NBA history, according to Colin, that it was his egregious mistake leaving the Warriors, who were going to win everything, and go to the Nets. And at the end there, he talks about Boston is the fit. Colin Coward's one of my favorite radio hosts. He's absolutely wrong in this statement <laughs> that he just made. Because first off, when he left, the reason he left Golden State, it was not out of left field. He was getting destroyed from a career standpoint, right? When you bring up legacy, what is something that people will say about Kevin Durant? He had to go team up with one of the best teams of all time to get his rings, to get his finals MVP, right? That's all people will say about him. So him leaving to establish his own legacy was actually not that crazy. And to do it in Brooklyn, I mean, it's not that crazy either. Brooklyn's the better of the New York teams. The Knicks stink. Sorry, I just wanted to get that in there one more time. Um, also, you can kind of miss me with the Celtics stuff. If you're Boston and you arguably have one of the deeper teams in the NBA, and this is something we don't talk about anymore, but I was thinking about this the other day, name me two or three starting fives that are better than Boston's right now. In terms of their depth, I don't think there's that many, right? So when you look at it from that standpoint, why would Boston blow that up, trade off Marcus Smart, multiple bench pieces that are going to be key, like valuable pieces for them in this you know potential championship run for Kevin Durant so you can have a solid starting four and shaky bench pieces. It just doesn't really work out for them. Could this all be solved by Durant getting his wish in Brooklyn? He asked for Nash or Steve Nash, the coach, or the GM, Sean Marks, to go bye-bye. Hurt was talking about Nash, and I started thinking – Maybe Nash will just walk on the job. Maybe he'll just leave. If I was Steve Nash, you know, everybody's like, Durant doesn't want to, he doesn't want to play with Steve Nash. Are we sure Steve Nash wants to be part of Brooklyn? Steve Nash is spending his entire summer here in LA. He's not around that organization. Anything there that Steve Nash could be like, yeah, you know what? It really isn't worth the trouble. I may as well get out now while I still have, you know, some. A resume that looks okay. Like, hey, I got forced out. Give me another job somewhere else. Could Nash walk? I don't think so. I mean, there's also so a couple things. One, there's got to be a pride element to this, right? Steve Nash is one of the greatest basketball players of all time and of his era. He was. I got an eyebrow raise. Um, it was a random eyebrow okay. raise. Don't always um, read the eyebrows. They're out of control. Uh, so, like, yeah. I think there's probably a pride aspect to this where he wants to stick around and see this through in Brooklyn. And, by the way... Brooklyn's also got some pretty good pieces outside of Kevin Durant, right? Like, there's, it, they're not stripped down to whatever that phrase is, right? They're not going to be bare if Kevin Durant leaves. They got Ben Simmons. Kyrie Irving is reportedly open to staying there whether or not Kevin Durant leaves. But you know what? At the end of the day, the Nets should give Kevin Durant everything he wants because that'll totally placate him. 
They haven't given him everything <laughs> right. he wants right. up to this point. Right? Like that's the thing about it. Yeah. Let's say you fire Steve Nash. What's next? Steve Nash is the guy that Kevin Durant wanted. You remember that big piece I think Zach Lowe wrote about it was where Kevin Durant was at his lowest with his mental health. Who at Golden State was there helping him out in the gym late at night? It was Steve Nash. And now here in 2022, he wants him fired. Like nothing's ever going to – you're never guaranteed with him. Number three. Raiders move to 2-0 with a victory over the Vikings. Even more significant for, well, the media would be open locker rooms. That hasn't happened in a long time. So afterwards, the players get to a hobnob with the media, and something emerged about the logo in the middle of the locker room. This had a hockey-like feel where uh, you're not really supposed to be stepping on the logo. Like, no one is supposed to be stepping on the logo. Here's Jarrett Stidham, backup quarterback for the Raiders, noticing something was going on. Absolutely. I mean, that's the obviously that's the objective every time. Don't step on the logo. Oh, um. I mean, that's the objective, obviously, to, to put points on the board every time we go out there. Just a little fun after the game. Are you angry? Okay. A little, but not about this. So there's a couple of things that I wanted to point out. Because there was a lot of chatter about this logo thing yeah. amongst the, uh, I'll call them the Raiders Media Club. Look, so I'm glad you used that term, actually, um, because we get it. Okay. And I'm speaking to people that I've met in person, and I'd say this to their face. We get it. You cover the Raiders. Okay. So let's let's relax a little bit with everything. What do you mean? Like that Raiders locker room is open. Like we're okay, we get it. You get to cover the Raiders. It's, it's a lot job. of fun. It's their job. It makes the job much easier. And for writers, like nobody cares. I feel like you're subtweeting. No, uh, live on You're subspeaking. No, this is Jonathan I, Von Tobel. I feel like you're going after an Adam Hill who's part of the company, no. and you know everybody else. I didn't see I Adam protect my people. Okay. So if you want to go after Adam Hill, I'll, do I'll it make directly. this simple. If you cover the Raiders in the Las Vegas market, I'm talking to you. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. It's getting real serious. That's man. right. We get it. You cover them. The locker room's open. I don't need 20 tweets about it from 10 different people. It's ridiculous. So you got it. Now, it it's it's a running joke. What's that? It's a joke. It's a, it's like a little media joke, and then they have some players, and I guess Kenyon Drake's in on it, too. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> so we get it, right? Just like we get the travel thing. Like, we get it. You guys travel, okay? We don't... Like, wow. Let's, let's, let's lot, lots coming to the surface here. Uh, and also, no. <laughs> mark, mark down 508. Can I also just say... So there was a lot of, this is also my favorite part about Twitter. So there was the first question that came to mind for me, and I see this all the time, right? Because it's an old thing. Like, don't step on the logo. Then why make them so big in the middle of the floor, right? Like, that's my first thought is, if it's bad luck, why are they in a position in a high traffic area? And if you want to put it on the floor, then maybe make it a little bit smaller, not the entire carpet, because it makes it somewhat difficult. But my favorite thing about Twitter was like some of the first five responses from Steve Bunch of Numbers was like to the response of oh, why God. do you put it on the floor? So bad. Clearly, you've never been in a locker room before. Yep, yep. Yeah, I'm sure you have, Steve. <laughs> five seven two four six nine two five. You tell me exactly what it's like in that locker room because yeah. I've got no idea. I saw the same thing. I saw <laughs> the same thing. Like clearly, the person's never played sports. Well, you didn't play football because you're not tough enough to put your name on your account. Put his first name. Yeah, with the silhouette <laughs> of a dude. Ridiculous. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you a warning right now. Uh, so I think with every beat, just to go behind the curtain, this is some of the most boring stuff we do, but just to take it behind the curtain with the media, there are little clubs, the people who cover the team all the time, and there's pecking orders, right? Right. And I think you're in jeopardy now of being banned. From the Raiders, like, media club? I think you'll, you're going to be shunned. 
From who? There's already there's already work on another shunning, and I think you may be now on the list. You're not the number one person on the list, but you may be. That little rant right there, you could be in trouble. I like to go out to Raiders practice, so I'm I have a no comment on this. You know what? I'll live. <laughs> <laughs> number two. Okay. Can we unfurl the weirdness that is Darren Waller and the Raiders and missing time? So late last week, you know, he was on, I think it was up to like 13 practices missed. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going on. Is it an injury? You got Willie and others suggesting that, hey, this is a hold in. They're being real quiet. You know, while they're negotiating, he's not going to practice or play. And then we see what was going on on Sunday, which I thought was really interesting. Excuse me. There's an Aces game at noon. Kickoff for the football game is a 125. They're right across the street from each other. Waller is over at the Aces game. Now, uh, Vinny on Raider Nation Radio 920 was nice enough to point out that he had gotten permission to go to the Aces game and come over to the Raiders game afterwards. So there's a couple of th- there's a couple of things here. Do you think it's weird at all to not be with the football team like hours before the game when you're injured? I guess yeah, maybe kind of. But like so explain to me like why does he have to be at the Aces game? Unless what we know is happening is actually happening, which is... Supporting our community? He, he and Kelsey Plummer dating. Whoa. Which has been another one of these things everyone's been dancing around. Like, you don't go to the Aces game and then not hang with your football team like hours before the game unless there's some other circumstance at the basketball game, right? And I know Mark Davis owns the team. Uh-huh. And Mark was... Yeah, he's the owner! There we go. He's the owner! And you've connected the dots. Am I, am I off here? Am I just pointing out a story that's not a story? No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, Adam Schefter said it was a hamstring, so I believe it 100%. Adam, Adam Schefter was told it was a hamstring. Yeah, Adam Schefter's not compromised in any way whatsoever. I, I would not be a mouthpiece for a team in any way whatsoever, so I think that's 100% accurate. Well, multiple people were told last week that Waller would be back at some point this week. So, I wonder if that's going to coincide with the news of a new deal. Number one. Cliffhanger. That carries on the rest of the week. Also, I feel uncomfortable commenting on other people's relationships. So, you know. Oh, I thought you were, yeah, I thought you were getting uncomfortable talking about the Raiders now, that the band could be in effect. When, when, when my wife and I first started dating, she refused to tell anybody at work because like, we both worked at Starbucks. And it got to the point where, like, I, I this is a great story. She invited us all to this house party. I know we're on the number one, but it leads to a good story. And this guy I worked <laughs> with, his name was Hector. She invites Hector and a bunch of other people there. Oh, really? We had been dating for a couple months now. Kept it on the wraps. Well, I'm walking back with Hector. He goes, hey, you know that new chick, Isabel? I'm like, yeah. She gave me a number and invited me to the party. I, th- I think she totally wants me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you think? I think so. You think so, buddy? I was like, you should try. I, I, I encouraged him. I often wonder about Hector. I don't know where he is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, end game there is don't talk about others' relationships. Yeah, you know, you never know. Some people, look, I, it's... It's some people are weird with it. Maybe they just don't want to say anything. Who knows? Top story coming up. Number one. Thank you. Uh, we're going to get to number one on the other side. I want to talk running back. So Josh Jacobs did not get action in the game. Everyone was shocked that he got uh, action in game number one. I'm talking about in the Vikings game versus the Hall of Fame game. Let's talk about the list of running backs and what they're possibly doing here. And Josh McDaniels uh, chimed in this morning on his running back situation. That's on the way. Go field and company. 
It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. And in out of the gun, five-man rush, drilled as he steps up to throw. Tashaun Bauer, last man through the hole, and right when Mannion stepped up to make the throw, had to pull it back with Bauer in his face. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Rolling on a Monday, Raiders 2-0. They win the preseason battle against the Vikings. We haven't gotten, like, hot wild on this thing. It's a preseason game. It's a preseason game. But, you know, nice to set up a winning culture, no doubt. There are positions worth looking at, though. You heard Bowers there. They're looking for more depth on defense, especially inside. Bowers outside. Offensive line, that's something to follow. The rotation. Guys playing different positions. The running back position is fascinating. So yesterday, carries. Britton Brown got 14. Walter got seven. Kenyon Drake played. He's a one or a two at running back. Four. Zamir White, five. Uh, They combined for eight targets. Split up pretty evenly. Uh, if I'm correct, no no Jacobs, no Bolden. Mm-hmm. All right, so what does this mean? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious McDaniels likes flexibility. Here's McDaniels talking about all that versatility in the running back room. Pretty interesting. You know, there's there's some young guys, obviously, that that uh, are learning, uh, but but play really hard and give great effort. We have some guys that are kind of multifaceted in terms of what they do and bring. We've tried to give them all different opportunities here in the first few games to try to to do some of those things. I really like the group. Okay, so he really likes the group. Then someone fired out a very JVT-like angle because John loves running backs who can block. So blocking as a running back and talking a little Zamir White, the rookie, out of Georgia. You know, that's always an area that is new for younger players, honestly, regardless of the position, quite honestly, uh, because of the volume of different things you see, uh, handling protections and being able to do your job well versus all the different looks that we see in our league now uh, is not easy. Zamir is continuing to work very hard at it. So is Britain. They're continuing to grow each each week at, at practice. And we didn't get blitzed a whole lot yesterday, uh, you know, so it really wasn't a big factor in the game. But, you know, I think all those guys are making progress. I, I'm i really interested in this also because, look, think back on those Patriots offenses, right? One of the things you can never figure out was who was going to be the lead back on a week-to-week basis. It doesn't really matter. And if McDaniels is going to take a leaf out of the book of Belichick, which is super game plan specific for every single opponent – then it's probably going to be the way that you see this going for the entire year. I wouldn't think that there is one lead back, whether or not Jacobs is still around. And that's a key, whether he's around or not. Now, a lot of the media last week and McDaniels kind of tried to dampen that whole thing, but it is a strength of this team that they've got a deep running back room. They have spots that, depending on the health of dudes, and we don't know when guys are coming back, They've got a strength. They've got weaknesses. One of the guys who's part of the strength, his contract's up, right? They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. It's still in the realm of possibilities that they move him to shore up some weaknesses. And 
I'll tie it to the Jimmy G situation. The Niners, it's, it's different this way. Josh Jacobs, they can afford him. He's a good player. He's been productive. He's a good character guy. Like, the future's not here yet. Like, if Zamir White, you know, if they had taken Zamir White with the number one pick in the draft, then maybe, right. which they shouldn't do ever again, um, a running back. But in comparing to Jimmy G, the Niners situation, they're they're waiting for a quarterback to get hurt. That's their dream. It sounds cruel, but they're waiting for another situation mm-hmm. to open up where someone's like, my God, we have to get Jimmy G. And the Raiders are smart. Just wait. Keep this running back room together. Last year, we did have some devastating running back injuries in the preseason. If someone goes down and all of a sudden someone doesn't have a lead back, you know, Josh Jacobs doesn't cost a ton of money and would be a nice lead back. And maybe there's a way that you get future picks or some help at whatever, cornerback, defensive tackle, or O-line. Yeah. I just wonder. I don't want him to get traded. No. I think he's a good player, and I think he's a valuable player. But, you know, when you build a team and then all of a sudden you're like, well, Leatherwood might not be working out. We didn't know Denzel Good was going to retire. You know, we've got these other backups. Eh, They're all kind of twos, not ones. What do we do? No, I get that. I just, with the value of what the running back is at this point right now, like, is there there really a scenario where that happens? You're right. Can you even get a start? Can you get a start? Can you get a starting quality player? For a running back. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Because if you're a team that needs a lead back, like I'm just thinking, theoretically, if Josh Jacobs is still a lead back, then why are you are shipping him off? Yeah. And you on the flip I mean? side, and on the flip side, if if you need a running back, do you just have a spare tackle who can start in the NFL? <laughs> right. Right. Like, like we don't need him. We're loaded at tackle. We got three of them. Here you go. Or, you know, hey, we got a starting cornerback. We're so loaded at cornerback. Here you go. So what I think is really, like, what I've dug into with Jacobs, and I actually talked about this yesterday on my show on B-Sin. You know his rushing prop for the season? You know what it is? Yards? 750 and a half. Wow. It's really high. Now, he ran for over 800 last year. If right. you include the postseason, that's 900. But if we're talking about the deep running back room, everything we're, just about, we're speaking about now, for me, it seems like a very high number. On the way back, we're going to talk about the devaluing of the running back and, man, the the rise in value and worth at wide receivers, we're going to try to track down uh, TJ Hushmanzada from Fox Sports, formerly of the Bengals in the National Football League. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. What did you think of Trey Lance's play in the first preseason game? He's like a lot top picks. He's got extraordinary ability and he's got to be managed and coached. And because they had success last year, and this is the blessing and curse, they did have success last year but they didn't get him in to have growing pain. So now he's going to have those growing pains. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 That was Andrew Brandt. Question from TJ Hushmanzada, the former NFL receiver who was doing the Dan Patrick show this morning and Matt, he's nice enough to give us a couple minutes later in the day with John and Steve here in Vegas. TJ, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you guys? We're good. Are you in L.A.? I am. Man, that's an early rise for a radio show. Nice job. Man, yeah, it's uh, quite early, but I have fun. I enjoy it, so it's not, it's not too bad. But, yeah, getting up pretty early to do that. Yeah, got to be fired up. Got to be uh, morning happy. So, uh, let's talk about that part of the conversation because I listened to that whole interview. It was a really good interview. Um, what is your take on Trey Lance? Because people have high hopes for the Niners. Like this, could this be a disaster? No. Hmm. And, and and I say that because I saw him this off season uh, quite a bit. 
well, will there be some ebbs and flows and some ups and downs? Yeah, of course. That's not his first year. He doesn't even have a lot of starts, period. I, mean, I believe he started, what, 18 times in college? If I'm not, not even, not even that many. And so, but the athletic, the talent is there athletically. He can really throw the ball. He has a really good tight end, two really good receivers. And one thing about Shanahan, they're going to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball effectively. Yeah. So he has a lot on his side. He has a good defense. Play within yourself. There'll be games where he forces the ball, but there's not going to be a ton of plays where he just has to force the ball. They run the ball so effectively, they're going to see a lot of single high. Receivers just got to create separation. And he's got a great one, too. In, uh, in Debo Samuel. I was, I was trying to draw a comparison in my head in terms of what they're going to run because we know uh, Shanahan likes to run the ball. I was thinking like Lamar Jackson light or like Josh Allen at the beginning of his career light, like, you know, using the guy for his strengths with his feet and making sure he's outside and mixing that with the running game. 100%. They're, they're going to try to simplify his reads and his progressions. If it's single high, we'll work this side of the field. If it's too high, we'll work this side of the field. If nothing's there, check it down or use your athleticism. And obviously, he, he's going to start to feel really comfortable, and he'll force some things, and he'll learn from that. But I, I foresee Trey Lance having a pretty good season. All right. T.J. Houshmanzada, former NFL receiver, is with us. Did the Dan Patrick Show this morning. He's an analyst with Fox Sports. He's on uh, Doug Gottlieb show all the time, and we have a, a Fox station here in Vegas. That's our one of our sister stations. So, T.J., we were just talking about the devaluing of – the running back, and how a lot of the money is now going to wide receivers. Did you see this coming when you were playing, that you guys would kind of be the glamour guys getting all this money, and the running backs, the poor running backs, can't get a sec- <laughs> they can't get a second deal? Man, I, I, was, I think I was born too soon. I know, right? Uh, yeah. I, but it, it's, uh, you would assume it's going to come back around, but, yeah, I mean, specifically, let, let's talk Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. Has a he comes out really well first couple of years in the league, and they don't pick up his fifth year out. You're like, huh? He's one of the better backs in the league, and he's young. Yep. But they feel, especially this New England system that Josh McDaniel run. Just look at what they've done. It's a running back by committee. We can find guys that can do what we want done, and they're going to allocate money to other positions. But I've, I've always felt if you have a really good quarterback, the receivers are going to be pretty good. You go across the league, and you just look at the quarterbacks that are good. Their receivers are good. Everybody had all these high hopes for Trevor Lawrence. Who's his receivers? You can't name them. You, you, who started for the Jets? You can't name them. Who was Sam Darnold's receivers with the Jets? You can't name them. But then you start talking – other, who's Joe Burrow's receivers? Who's Justin Herbert's receivers? We're talking young quarterbacks, and so I believe it goes hand in hand. They always want to give the quarterback more credit, um, but they touch the ball every play. But it's finally, uh, it's good that the receivers are getting recognized for, for the work they have to put in like every other position. So what, what I find interesting about this dynamic of the receivers, TJ, is the fact that there seems to be like these two different camps forming, right? There's the teams that wouldn't acquire these guys 
uh, via trade to pay them. It's Tyreek Hill, it's A.J. Brown, it's the Eagles and the Dolphins and others. And then you have the other teams that are like the Packers who are like, you know what, we'll draft guys, we'll develop, and we'll see if we can get by. Kansas City kind of doing a similar thing here. Baltimore as well, the Titans. So like, as these two paths kind of diverge, what do you think is going to be the more successful route, diverting a lot of your money to a single guy or going the route of development and cheap options? Uh, you can't go cheap. You get what you pay for. Ain't that what they say? Yeah. It might look good initially, but it ain't going to last. That's what they say. I mean, you left the Raiders out of there, baby. They they got the best receiver in the league in painting. And so, yeah. and Devontae Adams, you want a guy that you know, when I need a play, he going to win. That's Devontae Adams. That's Tariq Hill. That's Stephon Diggs. That's Cooper Cup, so forth and so on. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. You want a guy that when I got man-to-man coverage, the quarterback can trust he will win. I thought the I said this during the draft. I did the draft for Fox. I thought the Packers should have drafted George Pickens in the first round. They didn't. Let's see how that turns out. And so you got to have a guy on the outside that can get open when you need a play to be made. The fact that the Raiders have Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller, Derek Carr is the most underrated QB in the league. That is going to be very interesting this year. Do you think, let's go back to what you were saying about you know paying receivers, and you mentioned the Packers should have drafted a first-rounder. Could there be a drop-off? And I'm not saying like seven wins, but could we see the Packers or the Chiefs, because they're not loaded at receiver, win like 10 games instead of 12 or 13? The Packers, I could for sure see the Packers because they they have youngsters that they're going to count on. Yeah, Randall Cobb is a veteran. How much is he going to play? Amari Rodgers going into his second year, but Christian Watson, who's a first-round pick, young. I believe Romeo Dobbs will be their best rookie receiver, and I said that on draft night as well. Nice. But – when, when, when you when you look at the Chiefs, Miko Hardman's played a ton of football. Juju has played a ton of football and had success. Marquez Dalton Stanley playing with Brett Favre, Green Bay. So it's a little different when you talk Kansas City and, and Green Bay because Kansas City, they have guys that have gotten it done, um, haven't been consistent, but they've gotten it done. P.J. Hushmanzada, former NFL receiver, is with us. All right, let's go back to the Raiders. This is going to sound very negative in a very good division. Who's the worst team in the AFC West? Wow, if you ask me today, I'll tell you <laughs> one team, and you ask me tomorrow, I may give you a different one. That's how – I don't know. I really don't know. The, it's kind of, the majority of my friends, there are a lot of Raider fans. The Raiders uh, – I played one year with the Raiders, my last year in the league. And they treat me like I played my entire career there. Like the way the Raiders get a bad rap, but the Raiders organization, they do a hell of a job with their alum, they literally treat me like I played 10 years there. And that's, teams don't do that. They don't have to do that. I mean, I I had a cup of coffee with the Raiders. And and so who's the worst team? Ooh, I don't want to be Switzerland and and, and be neutral, but (laughs) man, if you ask me and I really got to answer it, I would probably say just right now, probably Denver. All right. Like it. Why? What are you worried about, if anything? New system, uh, and I could say the same thing for the Raiders, but it's a new quarterback and new defensive coordinator. That defense was really good, but I think 
Vic Fangio is one of the most underrated defensive coaches in the league. He's just a really, really good coach. And and if I had to pick a second choice, I know this isn't popular. I would probably say the Chiefs. You're like, oh, why? Andy Reid's a fantastic coach. Patrick Mahomes, one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. But teams played them differently because of Tyreek Hill. Teams aren't going to play them like that anymore. And so I'm eager to see how, how they navigate through that. But uh, that division, I'd hate to be in that division. It's going to be great football every week. I, I'm going to tune in, that's for sure. I was going to say with uh, Nate Hackett, you know, is he the next great offensive genius or is he Adam Gase who just benefited from Peyton Manning, right? And then when, as he's a head coach and obviously Hackett worked with Rodgers, like we just don't know. that. That's the other question I've been asking everyone in the preseason, the offseason, TJ, is who's the worst coach? In the AFC West, right? Because we don't we don't know about Staley yet. I mean, he made some mistakes last year, but I think he has a lot of positives. Hackett, we don't know about McDaniel's on a second go round. Oh, you you, you for sure got to go with Hackett as Ooh, being the okay. worst coach, and that and All that's right. just because he's had the least amount of success. Did he call plays in Green Bay? Or did Lafleur? We know mm-hmm. McDaniel's called the plays in New England. We know what Andy Reid can do. And at least Staley has been at head coach and kind of gotten his feet wet and kind of learned from the mistakes and the non-mistakes of, of what to do and what not to do. Yeah. This is going to be Hackett's first go around at it. So just off a of default, it would have to be him. Do you like the way Staley coaches, super aggressive, fourth downs, you know, trying not to punt? Would you like to play for him? I don't know. I mean, as a player, yeah, but I – I've said it. I said, man, Brandon Staley, he coaching in the NFL like we play Madden football. <laughs> he just fourth and whatever, I'm going for it. It's like it's no consequence. As a player, I mean, you, you may like it, and I, you can't be a Monday morning quarterback. Oh, why'd you go for it? Because when he gets you, you're like, oh, that's a great call, coach. And so I, would, I don't mind it. I, I wish at times in big games that, man, if your defense is playing well, just, just punt the ball. Trust him. But – when he does well at it, nobody complains. And so, can't grin when you win and sing the blues when you lose. By the way, to your point about, you know, once a Raider, always a Raider, a couple of stories. First of all, on the pregame uh, program this weekend, Eric Dickerson was on the Raiders program. He played one year with the Raiders in 1992. I'm we had, telling we, you, man, yeah. the Raiders, man, they just it's do amazing. a hell of a job. And it's been going and on forever. And, dude, not only, and people don't say this publicly. Like, my last year playing for the Raiders, everybody asked me, was it bad? I'm like, nah, it actually was nowhere near what I thought it was. It was much better. But you hear all this negativity surrounding it. It's nothing like that, bro. Nothing like it. Complete yeah. opposite. We had uh, we had Ronnie Lott on Friday, and he, like we talked about his two years with the Raiders, he went on for like eight minutes. He, he had these great memories. Great memories. Dude, I'm telling you, they do a hell of a job. That's That's for sure, so... The people that got involved in doing that, Mark Davis needs to know you got the right people doing what they're supposed to be doing because they make guys feel like they played years with the Raiders when we did not. Those people in those positions are doing a hell of a job. One last question to close things out. TJ Hirschman's out as well as Sharon Cofield and company. I don't want to overreact to the preseason, but I'm going to because that's what we do. Um, I think the steel. <laughs> I think the Steelers could be sneaky this year. Tomlin has never had a losing season. What if Pickett is good? What if Pickens 
is really good. Steelers right now are 13th on the AFC title board by the odds. Could the Steelers be actually good, like 10-11 win good? Nah, I don't think so, man. I I really don't because (laughs) I I don't believe Pickett will start the season. If Trubisky stumbles, it's easier to go to a rookie than pull the rookie. And so that's why I believe they're going to start Mitch with Trubisky. But that division, the Ravens are going to be always a contender every year. That's just what they do, as are the Steelers. One thing is a constant. The Steelers are going to play defense. They're going to present problems to every offense they play. But the Bengals should be better because of their confidence. I'm concerned about Jesse Bates not being in there. He doesn't get the credit. I believe that he deserves for just his ability to keep everybody on the same page with the adjustments that they made in the second half of games in the late late in the season. He has to get some credit for that. So the Bengals are going to be good. The Browns defensively will be really good. And so this may be that year that Tomlin has to lose a season. You can never put anything past him. He's a hell of a coach, one of the best coaches in the league. He made the playoffs last year, and people would assume that the Steelers were trash last year, and they were a playoff team. And so can I see them being a surprise team? I would say no because I for sure put the Bengals and the Ravens in front of them. And depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson, you may put Cleveland in front of them as well. You know, we know all about your NFL career. I know you played at Oregon State. I know you did some JUCO. Are you a Barstow guy? I am. I grew up in Barstow. Um, Still have a ton of family and friends. Not much family, but a ton of friends. They're all my childhood friends. Uh, Still talk to them. They're still my uh, best friends to this day. It's an interesting place. A very interesting place. Do you have a Do you have a favorite restaurant from uh, Days uh, Long Gone in Barstow? A, a favorite restaurant? Yeah. No, uh, I don't even remember any restaurants. <laughs> Only thing that I will say is the Del Taco in Barstow yep. Yep. is the best Del Taco in the world. It's just different. Their meat, everything is different. Oh, yeah. No, everything like the, is different at that like, Del Taco. But yeah. restaurant wise, yeah. nah. Well, that's a restaurant no. that counts. That's a gourmet Del Taco. That's a restaurant. (laughs) Well, there we go, then. TJ, thank you so much. I know it's been a long day. We appreciate a couple minutes from you. All right. You guys take care, man. Keep up the great work, fellas. There he is. TJ, here's Mazzotta. Must have been listening to the show. Or probably not, because we really didn't do much great work today. But, yeah, he's a Barstow guy. I always like to talk about Barstow, because I feel like most people from here or from L.A., like, they don't actually stop in Barstow, aside from getting some gas and, hey, I know about the Del Taco, so let me go get the Del Taco. That McDonald's, it's... In that weird red building. McDonald's, sure. There was a Straw Hat Pizza, which I was like, wow, that's a weird name for a pizza place. Another good Mexican joint right on the main drag there. I haven't been to enough restaurants in Barso. Who else has said that? I haven't been to enough restaurants in Barso. I've always wanted to explore, but I always feel like it's just like a tiny strip of land. we got to explore more. Well, now, now they, they became like big city because what is it? Is it Linwood right up the road? They got mm-hmm. the outlet malls there and all the other fast food. Yeah, and mall. Pizza place, and it's grown. It's not like the Barstow. That Carl's Jr. right off the exit. Maybe the charm is not there anymore like it used to be in old Barstow. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. 
Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, time to check in on Von Tobel's TV viewing habits. Big George over here. Uh, John Von Tobel. The boys, almost done? Yeah, we're on episode four, season three. Nice. Something like that, yeah. Nice. No spoilers. It, yeah, in-laws came into town over the weekend, so we didn't. We haven't watched the last three days, but we will get back to it tonight. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I've only watched two of the Jeter documentary, The Captain. I can't wait to watch the rest. No, you can't. I just haven't had the time. I really enjoyed it. No, you didn't. Are you going to spoil it for me here, and are you going to crap all over Jeter? No, because this isn't part of the documentary. <sighs> okay. So, apparently, you're not a big Yankee fan. You didn't watch the K-Rod broadcast last night? Michael K, Alex Rodriguez, the captain, all together? Sunday Night Baseball? The Sox? Nothing? Tell us what happened. Okay. So, we had two great stories. Two great stories. First off, uh, a wonderful story with Derek Jeter. Really want to get some insight into what it's like being friends with Jeter, staying at his place. Alex Rodriguez told this laugher about orange juice in the fridge and cereal. Oh, it was great. I'm hungry. I'm starving in the morning. So I open the fridge. There's nothing there. He does have some cereal. So now I'm eating Lucky Charms, no milk. I get a little orange juice, throw it in the Lucky Charm, and that was my breakfast of champions. And, of course, he kicked our bus. That's that's the reason why. <laughs> Is this true, Derek? You didn't, I, I, well, didn't I don't shop? remember all the details. I can't remember. <laughs> well, I had to like, eat the cereal with orange juice. Cereal. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> But you can tell them about your fridge back in the day. Yeah, I mean, uh, my fridge still doesn't have much in it, to be quite honest. Dude, it's like pulling teeth. What is that? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. What? Still doesn't like A-Rod? Nope. Jeter does not like A-Rod. It went downhill when they were together. It probably went downhill before that. I've always held that little bit against Derek Jeter. I'm probably the only Yankee fan in the world who sides with Alex Rodriguez. Jeter stinks. He's a stiff. He stunk. And there was another moment. I'm not going to go that far, but but it's, that that no, relationship I mean, he stunk does as in me. like he stunk as in personality on the. Yeah, on the we've broadcast. had a lot of people who say they're not going to watch the Captain documentary because he's a bore. Now, he, when I watched the first two episodes, I thought it was actually pretty decent. He also takes himself way too seriously. That's the other problem. He's he he. You know what's funny? If you watch that documentary, when he was in high school, he was Derek Jeter. Yeah, like that's like he knew as a seventeen-year-old, eighteen-year-old that he wanted to carry himself a certain way. I was blown away when I, I was like, "Wow!" Not not it wasn't interesting, but it was like, "Wow, this guy was mature." How about this? The shirtless shortstop picture. Oh, Jeter had a great laugh. You actually scared our producer Joe McCoy, who had that thing locked and yeah, loaded, so and he never put it up on he never put it up on the board. This would be my last visit here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Oh, they did it. <laughs> Wow. There it is. Yeah, this is well, me. it was nice having you. This is the last time here, yeah. I mean, they're trying to do a Manning Brother-like baseball broadcast. That 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 thing is so unique in terms of the chop busting because they're brothers. Like, Jeter and A-Rod are not brotherly. They, the, the and, audio. And, and Jeter is just, he's just so stuck in the, hey, prim and proper all the time in front of a camera. That I don't think you're ever going to get him like super loose on a broadcast. Here's the thing, though. The audio doesn't do it justice. He was legitimately irritated he that was they annoyed. put the picture up. Yeah. 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 He was legitimately angry they put the picture up. He's he's There's nothing redeeming just, or fun about Derek him. Jeter. He, like, <laughs> nothing that, redeeming. Nothing. Like that, It's boring. It stinks. It's all about, again, it's just a New York thing. It's just a, a most, bunch of New it, York it folks just is. salivating over it and just being like, those were the days. I don't even know if my New York accent's any good, but Jeez. you know what? I, I don't care. I, that 
That broadcast made me want to not watch that at all. It did the opposite of its job. Oh, man. Candy likes the Yankees and Jeter. I don't know about Willie. You and Adam, like, it's just Jeter bashing for, like, the last five, eight years. Compiler. He stinks. 364-1100. Before we get out of here, two tickets. Before you can buy them. Before we, before you can buy them. Jeff Beck. November 4th show. Pearl at the Palms. Tickets go on sale this Friday, 10 a.m. Ticketmaster.com. Ari's got the tickets for you. Call her seven to go see Jeff Beck. That's a great venue, too, at the Palms, the Pearl. It's Friday, November 4th. Call her seven, 364-1100. Do you want to close out on one more bash fest before we leave? Okay. Who do you want to go after? Well, I think you want to back the Jags fans for chanting at uh-huh. Deshaun Watson, and did one of the offensive linemen turn this into us against the world uh, because of Deshaun? Joel Batonio. He's like, oh, well, here we go. It's just us against the world. Cleveland as usual. Like, your quarterback is allegedly a serial sex offender. What are we doing? Stop trying to turn this into something. You know exactly what he is. You sick bleep. You sick bleep. One of the best chants ever. Can you keep it going for 15 seconds? Yeah. You sick bleep. You sick bleep. You sick bleep. You sick bleep. I think he can do it. You sick bleep. You sick bleep. He's running out of gas. You sick bleep. Is that a Jacksonville accent? You sick bleep.